Do you want to hear it? Or are you going to turn it on? It's on Watch ESPN. What's Watch ESPN? You mean ESPN Plus? No, there's ESPN Plus and then there's Watch ESPN. Watch ESPN is just like a live stream of ESPN. Do I have Watch ESPN? If you, yeah, I, yeah, if you watch the Jordan doc, I, I, uh, wow. <laughs> oh my God, Paul Pierce, he's it's the virtual fan thing. <laughs> I'm so fucking stupid. Yeah, Nurkic dropped thirty. Did you shoot? Did you see Nurkic shoot a three earlier today? No. You don't play. Do that. He sunk it too. You don't play two K, so you don't get this. But in two K, there's a badge called Quick Draw, and if you don't have Quick Draw, it takes like a full two seconds to get your shot off. And if you have Quick Draw all the way upgraded, it's like a quarter of a second. And Nurkic literally looks like he doesn't have Quick Draw on. He catches it and he goes. <laughs> And he just wets it. Just absolutely wets it. God, I'm so disappointed the Blazers lost that game, though. Celtics, uh, Celtics are good. Celtics are good this year. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be a tough out, that's for sure. They're gonna be a tough out. No matter um, what. But good news for Portland is Memphis is also losing to the Spurs right now, yeah. who could push themselves to You know I love the young bright the the middle of the road young bright future Spurs. They'd be two games back if they beat Memphis here. If the Which, Spurs end up way, making the playoffs, I will drive to your house and punch you in your face. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, uh, boy, especially because you've like kind of danced on my grave a little bit with that one. You proclaimed that the Spurs aren't making the playoffs. Well, so I'll, I'll be excited to uh, to kick you in the nuts when you come over. To be fair, our original talking point is that they would go under 500, and that is, they will oh, do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that. So I I still win that argument regardless, and they're they're not going to the playoffs. They're okay. Hold on, let me check their schedule. Let me. <laughs> so they got the Sixers, Nuggets, Jazz, Pellies, Rockets, Jazz. Dream on. How about that? Dream on. Do you want to talk a uh, larger picture about how awesome basketball was? Yes, I do. I do. And basketball kicked ass. It it does it ever not? Does basketball awesome. ever disappoint ever? Like you go into um, night one and you're expecting everybody to be super rusty and just just like not horrible basketball, but you're not expecting it to feel like a playoff game. And the first game you get uh, you get the Jazz versus the Pellies. And it's a great game the whole way through. And Rudy Gobert sinks two free throws at the end of the game to give the Jazz the win. Pretty much, by the way, getting rid of the Pelicans' playoff hopes uh, with one loss. I mean, that was really all it was going to take for the Pelicans, um, which is why I think the people who think that the NBA forced the Pelicans to be in there for Zion were a little off base because they knew they weren't making the playoffs. They definitely opened the door and asked them if they would like to go through. Yeah, but they did that for more than just the Pelicans. Uh, Are you I mean, they were, the Wizards? Or the, I mean, the Blazers, like 
the most of the Western Conference teams that are sitting outside the playoffs. I would like to make an uh, uh, an addendum to something I said last week, where you brought up the Blazers, and I kind of was like, Meh, I don't know. The I would I think I very quickly realized that I was wrong about that, and that the Blazers could be really, really, really awesome with all of their players, Zach Collins and Nurkic. Nurkic looks a hundred percent. I'm sure he's hungry in every sense of the word. Well, when people at home are watching this on Tuesday, they'll know the answer to this. But Portland was down uh, 19 at half, and all of a sudden it's a one-point game with five and a half minutes left against the Celtics. So Portland is here, man. And you just never know what Damian Lillard's going to do when his back's against the wall. And that's why I really like them to just kind of go on a run here. Well, everybody else is – nobody's taking it easy like I thought they were going to. But the further we get into this, games five, six, seven, eight, I think you're going to see uh, the some of the higher level teams kind of take their foot off the gas pedal, which will help the Blazers. Um, but then on Thursday, after that Jazz Pelicans game, we were treated to an absolute delight of Great. a basketball game uh, between the Lakers and the Clippers. I mean, you got everything you wanted out of, the, out of this game. You saw Anthony Davis drop thirty plus points. You saw Paul George just heat up and go bananas. And remind everybody how good of a second option that guy really is. Yeah. You saw LeBron turn back the clock by six years on defense and play probably the best defense I've seen him play in three years. And like in any individual game, counting playoffs, everything. It was the dude looked 28 years old. You got a classic LeBron heat check too, where he sank a three and then came down and sank an even longer three with 18 seconds left on the shot clock. Awesome. It's a good old-fashioned la fuck you three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we finally... LeBronculus. That's That might be better. I'm going to stick with la fuck you three, but I like LeBronculus. Uh, and then you finally got a little bit of the rustiness in that third quarter. The start of that yes. third quarter yes. especially, yeah. it was rough. And we've yeah. seen the turnovers, we've seen that, but that's to be expected. This was just bad basketball at the start of the third quarter. Uh, and then all the stars went to the bench for a few minutes, and then they all came back, and all of a sudden it looked like Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals. Every yeah. single play mattered. Um, we, I, I just... What other games have you watched? What else have you seen that you liked? I watched Mavs Heat, which was uh, a game that did not have defense. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Mavs Rockets? Mavs, what did I say? Mavs Heat? Heat? Yeah. Yeah, Mavs Rockets. Sorry, red jerseys, hot things. Uh, super awesome. Luca looked great. James Harden looked like James Harden. Uh, I watched that game on ESPN3, which is a slightly different viewing experience. Yeah, tell me all about this. Tell me all about uh, this. So it's still virtual fans. Uh, and I want to go back to talk about the virtual fans in the NBA at some point here, but... Uh, it was so you got the virtual fans, and you kind of had two options from where I was watching. You could go above the basket cam, or they had what I'm assuming is a camera on like a jib or like a rail. Basically, they called it rail cam. So I'm assuming it was a camera that was like planted, for example, on top of this, and then it would move back and forth, uh, kind of up and down as the basket moved. It was controlled by somebody. It would swivel and zoom. So there was some guy basically playing like a RC car type thing. Uh, and you heard a lot. I mean, you really got to hear, you didn't really get to hear the coaches too much, but I heard most things that like Russell and Harden were saying as they were, whenever somebody would raise their voice, you could hear that. 
Did you Russell see that camera like, almost? Did you see that camera almost kill Luca? No, I must have not been. So the ball bounces out of bounds right over like the little rail that it's on going back and forth. And Luca goes over to get the ball. He gets the ball and he just kind of leans over the railing for a second and sits there. <laughs> and the camera's coming. And the camera's coming and all of a sudden he looks up. It's two feet away from him and he has to jump back. But the thing almost took his head off. It didn't slow down at all. So Yikes. whoever was controlling it was like, well, this is my chance to beat the Mavericks and <laughs> tried to take out Luca. Um, I was really surprised watching that game at how quickly and how often Luca will complain about calls. I mean, like every call on both sides. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. Uh, we got to see LeBron do it, but Luca was doing it. I would say more than any non Doc Rivers Clippers player from the like Lob City Clippers, uh, more than I've seen any other player do it. That's for sure. Like LeBron complains to refs a lot, but Luca was doing it more than LeBron was. Yeah, I honestly, whenever I see it, I don't, I don't think these guys actually hate every call that much. I just, I think it's strategic. I think they're just trying to get the refs exactly. to kind of feel bad for them and give them the next one. Yeah. Uh, and also, I'm just, you know, you know me when I get biased for a player like I am for Luca. I will say he does no wrong when it comes to complaining about the refs, and I will say it shamelessly. Mind but you. Maybe that's the argument for keeping Joey Crawford around: is that if you complain to Joey Crawford, he's, he he's just gonna, he, you're more likely to get a technical. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or just get the foul. Just get another foul called on you the next time. Like he's just gonna, he's gonna be like, "Oh man, I was right. You were wrong." Yeah. Uh, the game, the other game that really uh, I I enjoyed a ton, and especially because it's probably the most important game so far, is the Blazers Grizzlies, who are the two teams fighting for the eight seed. Went to overtime uh, with the Grizzlies. You really got to see why the future is so so bright with that team yeah. and why they're so fun. Jaron Jackson dropped thirty three points. Uh, John Morant, 22, 11, and 5. Uh, but they just got beat by, you know, a more seasoned team. A, a team that I think will almost work similarly. I think the Grizzlies will kind of – they might be able to be a little bit better than the Blazers have been over the last couple of years. But I think that's kind of where they'll fit in in the NBA over the next decade or so of just kind of being that team that's almost good enough but not quite there. Because it's going to be hard to get that third piece to Memphis – to play with Ja and Jaron Jackson. Um, but you just, I mean, you saw CJ go for 33. You saw Dame go for 29. Mello, 7 for 10, went for 21 points. Uh, you've just, you've seen everything you want to see from basketball in three days since, four days since it's been back. Yeah. You've seen it. You've seen everything you want to see. I mean, even today on Sunday, Jason Tatum going off. Just going off with his fresh haircut. Every time that get, the guy gets his hair done, he goes bananas in the next game. Uh, we get to see LeBron Jr. on a live stream with with a YouTuber calling Joe Kim Noah a, a, a homeless person. And it's just it's just the NBA just never disappoints. It is it is a soap opera with the world's best athletes. And it's just God, I missed it. I missed it so I much. Think, uh, Joe Kim Noah is homeless, but he's definitely like a wanderer. He definitely doesn't have a home that he lays his head at every night. He could just be like Daniel Norris, who is on the mound for the Tigers right now, making his debut this season and just living in a van, even though he's an athlete. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> she could be that. Uh, he's got he's got that little bit of hippie to him that I wouldn't count him out living in a van. Did you mention uh, Brandon Clark for the Grizzlies too? Another super awesome young. He's a rookie, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, you know what? They are. They're currently. Oh, that's on my end. It's 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 so out. strange right now because it almost feels like we're in a second season. So when you ask me if Brandon Clark's a rookie, I'm like, yeah, yeah. But but my brain is like, no, this is his second season. Uh, but he, no, he's been tremendous. He he could be the third guy that kind of pushes them into that that Trailblazers territory over the next two or three gonna, years. I think he's going to be third place for rookie of the year voting or second place. Yeah, I mean, 12 points, 6 rebounds, 22 player efficiency rating. I mean, 22 is really good. 15 is the average. So if you're pushing 22. Would you vote for Zion for Rookie of the Year? I would not. No, it's Ja. It's Ja all day. If Zion played the full season, he's the Rookie of the Year. I mean, the dude was amazing when he was on the court. But Ja is the Rookie of the Year. Clearly special. Very clearly special. But not Rookie of the Year. Only played 19 games. Right, you John can't Moran. win an award with 19 games. Yeah, he's a psychopath all season, and he deserves to be rewarded for that. And let's not pretend like John Morant didn't put up 18, 7, and 4 this year yeah. and shoot 36% from 3 and 49% from the field. He was like a super efficient rookie who was putting up 20 points, 8 assists. Like, like he he's, he's as close to a generational talent without being a generational talent than you, that you can get in the draft. This could be like the younger years of John Wall. This could be Russell Westbrook. He can be that level of player. And I don't think it's that far away. I think we're probably two, three years away. Um, it almost reminds you of the rookie season of Donovan Mitchell, but I think John Morant is going to be better than Donovan Mitchell by a pretty good margin. Yeah. I love those small school guys because it's the same story every time, right? I was, I had two D1 offers. I did this. I didn't get the respect here. And it's a good story every time. It doesn't get worse. You don't get sick of that story of a dude working his ass off, getting the skills needed. Because basketball is the hardest sport out of the team sports in America to go pro in. There's five guys in the starting lineup. There's two rounds in the draft. It is it is very, very hard to become a professional basketball player. Uh, less than 1% of all D1 players spend any amount of time in the NBA. Um, so just seeing a guy who can go from the bottom to the top, especially as quickly as Ja did, it's just a cool story every time. Any other any other interesting games that you watched? I watched a lot of Raptors-Lakers and was, of course, very impressed by the Raptors' ability to play defense. They they just look super well-coached, super well-oiled. Uh, I don't know if I think that they can win the Eastern Conference, but they're like clearly a team that everybody has to take seriously every single time, without exception. They can beat anybody. I think they can win the Eastern Conference. I don't think they will. Uh, but what I was actually talking about this last night with my buddy. Would I be absolutely shocked if the Raptors won the Eastern Conference? No. I mean, you have Pascal to throw on to throw on Giannis. You have good defense everywhere else. You can throw OG on Milton. You have um, Kyle Lowry to uh, go head to head with like Bledsoe. There's it's just a good matchup. That's the thing about the Bucks in the East is there is good matchups against them. The Sixers and the Raptors are good matchups against them. As much as we see 
Budenholzer just outsmart everybody with the offense and make it where this Giannis-led offense is just like almost impossible to stop. We see Nick Nurse do that on both offense and defense. I saw the perfect tweet today to describe it, and that's Nick Nurse is what everybody thinks Brad Stevens is. And that's (laughs) – I mean – agree with that. I mean, Nick Nurse is a great coach, but obviously so is Brad Stevens. Yeah, for sure. But Brad Stevens isn't as good as everybody thinks he is. Well, the Boston teams, I think, just in general, get uh, a lot of leeway sometimes from national media. Uh, there's a lot of Boston guys in the city. That's the, the second the second place behind Boston is Philly, uh, which brings me to my question for you. How do you feel about the 76ers after their first game rolling out the Ben Simmons at four? Great. Fantastic. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sure. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I just think that I know they lost and they lost by six to the Pacers or whatever, but we saw Embiid go absolutely bananas 41 and 21. And guess what? He's not in shape yet. If we know anything about Embiid is that he's not all the way in shape yet. He's probably close, but he's not all the way there. Uh, Simmons, 19 and 13, super efficient from both of them. Tobias put up 30. They just had no help off the bench in that game. And and the bench isn't great, but it's going to be good. It's going to be good enough, especially with Thibault coming off the bench. If you match up with Milwaukee, that's the perfect guy if you got to have your bench unit in to go up against Giannis. Uh, I, I I feel I feel better about my Philly pick after their loss to win the Eastern Conference than I did before their loss. I think that you so you said two things that I think are important. One thing is that Embiid is not in shape, and the other thing that I think is the most important is that they did not win that game. Uh, I am still extremely staying away from the 76ers. Sixers. Uh, I'm, I think that that's a really good matchup for Embiid. Uh, I don't know who who on that team thinks they can guard him, but well, I mean, Miles Turner isn't the worst defender in the world. And yeah, by the way, like it also took TJ Warren dropping fifty three points and that's shooting good. nine of twelve from three and twenty of twenty nine from the field to be able. to You don't beat think that. he's that good? No, TJ Warren's awesome. TJ Warren is awesome. That good. Yeah, yeah, like TJ Warren's awesome, but. People are getting mad at oh – God, I wish I had his name – on Twitter today because he's like, add TJ Warren to the Hall of Fame of that guy dropped 50 points. And everybody on NBA Twitter wants to be smart all the time. So they're like, no, TJ Warren is awesome. He can do- – don't tell me you weren't shocked that TJ Warren dropped 53 points. Yeah. We all were. That is – I mean, 50 points is that next level stuff. Uh, and it was – I mean, especially in that fourth quarter, from like three minutes to a minute and a half left in the game, it was give TJ Warren the ball and get the hell out of his way. And he was, it wasn't even easy buckets he was making. He's making fall down, get fouled, don't get a call, jumpers. He's hitting floaters. I mean, it was, it was by far the best game I've ever seen TJ Warren play. I think that's pretty easy to say. I don't think I'm breaking any news there, but it was by far the best game I've ever seen him play. Uh, who's the other guard starting for the 76ers with Shake Milton? It is Shake and it is oh uh Josh Richardson. Hmm. It, okay. So it, yeah. Yeah, and I mean Richardson is the perfect playoff player, right? He's your perfect four or five guy in a starting lineup. He's gonna hit threes at a high clip. He's gonna play really good defense. I mean, if Shake can play any defense, this this lineup is 
maybe the best defensive lineup outside of like the Bucks and the Raptors and maybe the Clippers in the league. Um, and it could be as good as any one of those three teams. Um, so I'm still bought in on the Sixers. I'm going to, I'm going to have to see some more losses. I'm going to have to see Shake Milton yelling at Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid at the same time before I get worried at all. Don't trust Embiid. Don't trust Ben Simmons. Don't trust the coach. Don't trust the bench. It's a lot of red, a lot of red flags for me on the Sixers. Still, I, they're the reverse Spurs, man. I got to see it happen. Got to see it happen first. Brett Brown does worry me. I, I get where you're coming from with that one, but I do think you should trust Embiid. Embiid was really good in the playoffs last year. He's been really good this year. Uh, Simmons was good enough in the playoffs. I think he'll be even better this year. Uh, Brett Brown and the bench would be my two things that worry me. But the bench is like a just like a super defense unit. They have Al Horford on their bench unit right now. And we know Al Horford can just have those games where all of a sudden it's kind of the Al Horford show. Not where he's going to score 35 points, but where he's going to do every little thing you need to get you that win. Uh, yeah, I think that Al Horford is your six is is your sixth guy, and and Matisse Thybul is your seventh or eighth guy. Those are like pretty classic bench pieces to me. Uh, but I was nervous watching some of that game about about all of it. I just, it, there's too many too many unproven too many too many pieces. And Bean's never been a winner. He's never been a winner. He talks like a winner. He has never actually been. A Who's winner. been a winner in the Eastern Conference besides for Kyle Lowry? Uh, well, Giannis, I mean, he's about to be, I guess, but yeah, I mean, he got knocked out in the Eastern conference finals. Yeah. Uh, let's, we, we have to pause the show for one second. Did you, uh, did you see any of the bowl bowl highlights from, uh, his first game? He's a tank, man. He's a tank. I think, I think you got it figured out that he's going to be the best number 44 pick <laughs> ever. Uh, I, I mean, that dude's, I think going to be an NBA player probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you ever saw him at Oregon, but he looked exactly like this before he got hurt. Exactly. I know he only had five points and like four rebounds the other night, but it was 10 minutes. And he at Oregon, he was just pulling up in transition and hitting threes, hitting step backs. Like he's a free. It doesn't. Somebody that big who can move like that should not be able to exist. Uh there's right there. They're in like the middle of the third quarter for Spurs Grizzlies, and right now Derek White is sixteen six and four. Damn. <laughs> Whatever, man. It's Spurs players. It's Spurs players. By their second year, they're at they're primed out. They're primed out. They're as good as they're gonna be. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah, no, has a huge as is like. Well, I guess assuming his ACLs aren't actually made of like plastic, uh, has I think a pretty high ceiling still left to hit. Yeah, I mean he's a twenty-three year old who averaged eleven points a game this year. Like that's cool. Well, okay, but he like he was pretty hurt and didn't play a lot this year. Uh, Lonnie Walker, twelve two and one. Dejounte Murray is seventeen three and eight right now. Three assists, eight boards. And, uh, oh, the player that they drafted way in the back this year, Keldon Johnson, 9.6 boards. So what the Spurs are kind of, like, hedging towards, and this is going to blow your mind, is like a small ball all-wings lineup where they trot out Jante Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, and his fifth guy to be named later, presumably LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, is like a five. 
and they're just going to be super fast, and LaMarcus Aldridge is just going to kind of plot up the court behind him and maybe make like a 16-footer if he's open when they go to the basket. I'm pretty sure LaMarcus Aldridge turns 100 years old next year. <laughs> so, like, have fun winning 43 games next season and then running. <laughs> is he going to be the oldest third-team All-NBA player in the history of the NBA? Yeah, he's also not making third-team All-NBA. So I would put 18 games of Zion on my third-team All-NBA <laughs> before I put LaMarcus Aldridge on my All-NBA team. <laughs> Uh, and the other superstar of the San Antonio Spurs, DeMar DeRozan, was six points so far today. Ooh. Yeah, I, I, if, I'm kind of in a place with DeMar DeRozan where if they could trade him for, like, just to get rid of the cap, that would probably be a good move. I'm just looking at the schedule for the NBA over the next week, and it's just every single day there's three awesome games. If yeah, we, it's going to be awesome. We're, tomorrow, Raptors Heat. Nuggets, Thunder, Lakers, Jazz, right? Three awesome games, not to mention the other three that are pretty good games. Tuesday, Tuesday's a little weak, but you got Celtics, Heat, and Rockets, Trailblazers to end the night. Wednesday, you got Lakers, Thunder, you got Celtics, Nets. So Wednesday's probably the weakest day, but you got Heat, Bucks, Clippers, Mavs, Lakers, Rockets, all on Thursday. And this is, you're just, we just, like, it's made work so much easier for me because I have a giant TV there and basketball starts at 1.30 and I get to watch it the entire day. I don't want to I don't want to say too much but I uh, I am also going to be probably watching basketball about yeah. one every day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't want to say don't want to say a whole lot about about nothing but uh, I'm excited for that this week. For people who are listening to this on Spotify, they probably can't tell, but people listening to this and watching this on YouTube can probably tell. Looking at the schedule, and there's only one word to describe this, I am literally giddy right now. I am, like, moving in my seat, and I can't sit still because I'm so you're, excited for these games. You're a little schoolgirl, for sure. Yeah, I am. It's – oh, God, man. We went, we went so long without this. When I was watching basketball on Thursday, when that first tip-off happened, I had tears in my eyes. And I'm not exaggerating. I had tears in my eyes. Um, and I, I know that if you're listening to some sports podcast, Detroit-centric, that airs on YouTube at, from the Planet Ant Theater, that you're probably a pretty diehard sports fan like me. And I assume a lot of you can relate to that because it was just – it's a – like this next – Two months, three months. I will. None of us sports fans will ever forget. We're gonna watch clips of this for the rest of our lives. We're gonna see nobody in the seats. We're gonna tell our kids about the season where there was the seasons where there was no fans. This is like we're in the middle of history, and it's just so cool to like. Obviously, as a whole, not very cool. COVID, not cool. I can say that pretty confidently. But this part of it is really cool. I could go for being in the middle of a little less history at this moment in time. <laughs> I think we're in the middle of a little too much history for it to be a good thing. But we've been in the middle of so much bad history, and now we're finally in the middle of some good history. Well, the bad history it's is still happening. Bittersweet history on the sports angle. I mean, it's 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 the it's a year of asterisks. You know, it's just going to be that way. I think it's, it's better to win the championship this year. Like, I think it's harder to win a championship this year than it ever has been before. So I think the asterisk should say hardest championship ever. I I just think it's different. I don't think it's harder. I think that uh, it's harder in different ways and easier in other ways. 
I mean, it's easier if you're a team that's not like a elite one, two or three seed team to have a real shot at it. But also, like, if you're a team that was injured this year or a team that had some problems like the Clippers, you've got a big old three, four-month patch off in the middle to kind of heal yourself. And I think that that makes it easier for the Clippers to win. They're going to be very healthy coming into this. They still look like they hate each other. The Clips? Mm-hmm. They're, they're like a – you know what a camel is? A camel? a camel? A camel is a horse built by committee. And uh, that is what the Clippers are. They, they're they just a bunch of interesting pieces that they threw together into a machine. And you go, look what this machine can do. Uh, but it doesn't, like, totally function super well. I don't know if I'm the only person who feels this way. And I just – I just really – like, I like watching the Clippers and I respect the Clippers, but I just don't like them. But I just, like – they should be better than they are. With how deep they are, with how much top-end talent they have, they I mean, should be better than they are. They should be the best. I think they should be the best team in the NBA by a pretty good margin. They have maybe probably the best bench in the NBA, and they have two of the top ten players in the world. Uh, I think that the Lakers also kind of check a lot of those boxes. I think that Lakers team is very secretly extremely deep. Uh, in the Clippers right now, I mean, no Lou Williams. Uh, I think Pat Bev was hurt, right? Uh, obviously. Oh, he played. Oh, he did play? Okay. The Lakers lost Avery Bradley, which I don't feel like is a huge deal. I'm a, I'm a big Alex Crusoe guy. I think he's kind of underrated still somehow. He might be the only underrated player on the Lakers. Uh, I think that the Lakers and the Clippers are pretty firmly in. NBA Twitter is going to kill you for that one if they get a hold of it. Good. Alex Caruso in NBA Twitter's mind is the most overrated player. Yeah, He lives at. Uh, Casimir Street, apartment number four. <laughs> Throwback. <laughs> uh, I, I, by the way, I've accidentally had ten things shipped there. Uh, I've probably had a few as well. I'm just not. I, Every not time even. I ship something, I go, "Oh shit!" and I gotta cancel it because I ship it to our old apartment. It's just not good. And then our land, our old landlord, gives me a hard time every time that something actually goes there. Shocker. Has that happened more than once? Twice. And you've and she's just been like, "Get your shit and get out" or whatever. Yeah, I just went and knocked on the door and just didn't deal with her anymore. I just like the first time I got lucky because I ran into our old upstairs neighbor and he's like, "I'll check for you, man," and he had it, so that worked. But uh, the second time I had to go knock on the back door. And this weird person answered it. So, I'm sure that I'm sure that she talks a whole lot of shit about us, and that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I've I've moved past it mentally. Yep. So. Uh, what else should we talk about? Is there anything else? I want to talk about. I want to compare the broadcasts real quick, uh, because I feel like uh, we've both been pretty harsh on the broadcasts uh, on the good and the bad. So I want to point out some things that I feel like the NBA has done to make, and hockey, I think, too, but I think hockey more naturally, uh, that the NBA has done to create a better broadcast. Uh, for starters, I listened to Doris Burke call Raptors Lakers, uh, and it was, like, so much better than any other broadcast that I've heard. Oh, did you think I was going to be, like, mad, like talk shit about Doris Burke? Because I would yeah. never. 
I'd have jumped through the screen. I would have jumped through the screen, tied you down, put a rag over your face, and waterboarded you until you apologized. Uh, <laughs> it was. It just was good to have somebody who knows about basketball talking about basketball. Uh, what they've done with virtual fans in the NBA versus what they've attempted to do with virtual fans in baseball. It's it's. I I walked away from last week's episode when I was kind of harsh on baseball virtual fans and was like, well. You know, maybe it's like when you're doing a live broadcast, the technology is different. We, I guess I don't really know. I'm not super informed. And then I watched the NBA fucking put individual people directly into seats, and it looks good, and it sounds good, and they're clapping, and they're doing this, the Arsenio thing, and uh, Paul Pierce is in the is in the stands, and Chris, Chris Bosh. Uh, and they've got some real fans. They've got guys, you know. They're not doing the thing that like hockey's done and that we've seen the Premier League do where it's just like a big wall of Zoom boxes and it's like all these people who aren't paying attention and the camera's on them and then they're like, because hey! Zoom sucks. Uh, this is not a Zoom show. I can say that without them can't, uh, deleting our broadcast. Uh, it just feels better. You just can tell that the NBA like put a little time into it, you know? So we're checking another point to the NBA. So it's NBA 9,782 and of the other sports, zero so far is what I'm getting from this. They just don't miss. They don't miss. Hockey didn't change anything, and that looks fine because it just works better for hockey that way, just the way the sport is. It's a smaller arena. Everything's real tight. Um, but baseball, they – I don't even feel like baseball – it feels like every MLB team had like a 10 minute meeting for like, what do you want to do with the broadcast? And then in a couple of clubs, they were like, we'll throw up some cardboard cutouts. And then the rest of them were like, nothing. It'll be fine. As a guy who knows things about TV, is it like a rule that every time you hear a player cuss, they have to apologize for it? Uh, is What do you mean? Every time a, a guy in baseball like hits a ground ball, he screams fuck, and then the announcer goes, Oh, well, sorry about the profanity. Like, does that save you uh, a fine, or do they just do it every time because they are annoying? I think that it's tough for that to happen, and if you're like an older person, not mention it, I guess. I I think it I, I think it I think to have it happen and just ignore it for nine innings would be kind of impossible and silly. Uh, so I get that they have to kind of be like, Ooh, you know, sometimes these things are going to get through, but in general, I think everybody's been kind of understanding and casual about the curse words and the, the, you know, basketball players talk a lot of smack on the court, you know, uh, I think that everybody just knows that it's just, you know, what are you going to do about that? You can't well, do anything. It'll be worse. Hey, if league pass wants a genius idea next year, you mic up every player, you offer an extra subscription where you can hear an uncensored version of those mic'd ups and you charge an extra $60 on top of the already $300 league pass subscription and everybody would subscribe to it. The only way that happens is if they cut the owners in, because that's the only way yeah. that the players are going to be able to have that done. If I'm an NBA player, if I'm Kevin Garnett, uh, I don't want supporting me every game. Because uh, there's inevitably going to be a few things that I say that aren't okay to broadcast out into the universe and that might create a couple of first take segments. Uh, I mean, we one time Kevin Garnett kind of crossed the line when he said that 
uh, Carmelo Anthony's wife tasted like Honey Nut Cheerios. And still to this day, I will never forget that. Well, he's crossed the line more times than just that. He called yeah. Charlie Villanueva a cancer patient on the court and got in trouble for that. It was just because <laughs> he's got alopecia. Like, he, yeah. he just – that was at the time – I didn't think it was going to be as big of a deal as it was because it was like 2010 and people didn't get that mad about that stuff. Just Charlie Villanueva and who really cares? Yeah, but it was good old Charlie V. Um, yeah, you're probably right, though. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea because more players would get in trouble than the benefits we'd get from it. I think it's a half-baked idea. I think that's what we call those. You do uh, it with a 15-second delay. How about that? And then well, <laughs> anything – they're already on a 30 second delay. Uh, and so if you add another 30 seconds onto the back of that, you really affect live gambling. Uh, I think that's been the big thing that's prevented like the real minute, two minute live stream delays that would probably fix a lot of those problems. Uh, there's too much money on the line with the, with the live gambling, especially now more than before. I have been, by the way, I have been on fire with my sports gambling. Hit those overs? Just a, just a little tip for everybody at home. Every time the Tigers play, bet the under. Every time. You'll hit it almost every game. Uh, anytime you see an over or under above 11 in the MLB, which there's normally one game a day, bet the under. Uh, baseball works weird. It's normally going to hit the under. Uh, rarely bet overs in baseball. Vegas just doesn't seem to miss on overs. And baseball, you know, you look at seven and a half and you're like, oh, they'll score eight runs in this game. But it's baseball, man. It could be two to one. It could be two nothing. Um, and then basketball right now, bet mostly unders. In a week, start betting those overs. And, I mean, I've just been on fire. I've been on fire. So. Nice. How many, uh, how many packages of ZD are you up right now? I don't understand your joke. How many units are you up right now? Oh, uh, I so I don't understand the scaling of units, but I'm up a couple hundred dollars. So. Okay. <laughs> well, units is like a percentage of your bankroll, and I don't know how it works <laughs> out. So I just bet money. <laughs> I think boxes of ZD I stole from the Sopranos, I'm pretty sure. Okay, nice, nice, nice. No wonder I didn't get the joke. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I, that, that's in my top three favorite things about sports being back is that I've just been sports gambling my ass off and I'm not losing money this time. That's dope. That's, so the first Tigers game of the day, cause they, they have a double header today was interesting to say the least. Uh, we, had a bullpen day, so he started Ronnie Garcia. Nick Castellanos takes him deep twice. Former Tiger Nick Castellanos. So after the second home run, they bring in Tyler Alexander, uh, who was like a pretty average minor league pitcher, uh, and people were expecting him to be pretty average. And he broke the MLB record for most consecutive strikeouts out of the bullpen with nine in a row. One short of the MLB record for strikeouts in a row by anybody, which was set by Tom Seaver at 10. Uh, and then he hit Eugenio Suarez or Mike Moustakis on the forearm and then came back and struck out the next guy. And he's not, he's not a big time strikeout guy. Uh, I mean, he can, he can get some strikeouts, but that's not his version of pitching. He's a pitch to contact type of pitcher. And so far this year, he has been just unbelievable. 
ZRA is down to 1.17. Three and two-thirds innings out of the pen today. He's at seven and two-thirds innings on the season. He's only allowed four hits, one earned run. He, the the bullpen has been unbelievable. Like it's the it's the thing outside of the home runs that I feel like should be giving Tigers fans hope right now. How old is he? Twenty five, maybe. Oh, so he's young. Yeah, um, I don't think he's ever. I don't think this is indicative of a guy who's going to turn into a star player or anything. I think he just got. He's twenty six. I think he just got super hot. Uh, yeah. for a couple of innings, but man, it was so cool to watch. I remember a few years ago when Doug Fister struck out, I think nine in a row, who also wasn't a strikeout guy, another pitch to contact guy, but sometimes these pitchers just get into grooves. Their stuff starts moving an extra two inches and it just turns unhittable. Uh, now in that first game, all the pitchers had a little added bonus of the umpire. Uh, I'm not even sure who was the the chief umpire today, but he was calling everything a strike. And I think we're going to see that a lot in these seven inning double headers. Uh, Cause these guys are, you know, especially when it's a one o'clock game and a five o'clock game, like today, you got to kind of speed it up. You got to get the guys to start swinging the bats. Um, but man, this bullpen has just been fun to watch. And not only him, like you can be looking at Gregory Soto, Joe Jimenez, who wasn't great today, but has been really good so far to start the season. Buck Farmer, who I remember a couple years ago, the first time we brought him up to start a game, and everybody's like, who is this guy? I guess he's getting the start today. Um, but, I mean, so Gregory Soto threw a 100.4 mile-per-hour sinker the other day, which is like the fourth fastest sinker ever thrown by a lefty, ever. Like a Randy Johnson sinker. Yeah, and – all the so these guys obviously we've seen in our system or last year we saw him in the bullpen and especially with Soto he's the one who I think people should be the most excited about possibly turning into like a star reliever he just couldn't locate his minor league career and when he got into the pen just couldn't locate and all of a sudden he's putting the ball exactly where he wants to exactly when he wants to and I know it's four and two-thirds innings but it's four and two-thirds perfect innings no base runners allowed um, so they're just kind of everything that I feel like people said they had to do to push for a playoff spot, even though they lost the first game of the doubleheader today, they've been doing, they're hitting home runs. The bullpen is pitching. Well, the starters have been good enough. I mean, Turnbull has been great, but the rest of the starters have been good enough. Even Ronnie Garcia today, who only got three innings, if it wasn't for two Nick Castellanos home runs, one of which was the worst juice ball home run I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he gets jammed on the inside, and it looks like it's a pop-up going shallow right field, and it sneaks over the right field wall. And this is Comerica Park we're talking about. So this is this is like a 360, 70-foot home run. Um, but this team should have everybody excited. Everybody should be willing to at least buy in a little bit. I'm not saying they're they're – the best team in the MLB. I'm not saying they're the best team in the division or the second or even the third best team in the division, but this team right now is playing baseball how it's meant to be played. And it seems like it's a bunch of young guys who are just like, why not us? And they've bought into it completely and it's working. Um, What's the record? What are the Tigers record right now? After the first game of the doubleheader, they're five and four. 
the second game should be starting any minute. We're going to be recording this again. It's Sunday, so we're going to be recording this during the second, the beginning of the second game of the doubleheader. Um, but if and it's this is a big one, and it feels like every time we've kind of had the big one where if you win it, people can really start getting excited. Those are the four losses we've had, right? Uh, but if you can go six and four here, you're a fifth of the way to the amount of wins you need to make the playoffs. That's yeah, that's pretty crazy. 20% of the way there. Yeah. You really only have to play as good as you've been playing. And there's a lot that they can do better. CJ Crone, although he's hit two home runs, he's hitting like a buck 80. Miguel Cabrera is hitting a buck 25. I mean, the offense has been led by Jonathan Scope and Jacoby Jones, just those two pretty much. If even two more guys can turn it on a little bit, all of a sudden this offense is is looking pretty potent for what we've seen in the last few years. Um, and I think so – what- So you don't think they should trade Tyler Alexander for like a top 100 prospect? No. No, you would not get a top. You wouldn't get anything. You would get you would get the the filler the filler prospects, the twenty eighth best prospect in somebody's farm system. And no, you shouldn't. Not with the way he started the season. Uh, the only person who I could really see you maybe trading at the end of August right now would either be Crone or Scope, just like it probably was in the beginning of the year. I mean, Scope is hitting the crap out of the ball. He, every fastball he sees, it seems like he's hitting it on a line. Uh, Crone is struggling a little bit, still hitting for the power, hit a foul ball home run today in the first game. Uh, that, I mean, it was, it, it, it curved by that much to the wrong side of the foul pole. Um, but just as of right now, I just want this team to play these 60 games, see what they can do. And even if they don't make the playoffs, let's say they go 25 and 35 and, all of a sudden these young guys know like we can win ball games. We can do this. It's not, it's not out of the question for us to show up, play baseball the right way, play good defense and win ball games. Um, so again, not that I think every Tigers fan out there should be screaming, we're going to the world series, but I think every Tigers fan should just be a little bit excited about what they're seeing and be ready to enjoy the season. Cause it's going to be the first time in a few years that we've been able to enjoy a Tiger season, hopefully from start to finish. But it's, I mean, they're here, man. They're they, before this game today, they're the fourth best record in the American league. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with the amount of teams that are making the playoffs this year, you're right. I mean, they really easily could go 500 and make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, last year, the 16th best team was a little bit under 500. I think it was the Rangers with like 79 wins, right? So if that carries into this year, and I think it'll be even further below 500 because you're only playing two divisions. So everybody's kind of beaten up on each other. 26, 27, 28 wins probably gets you a wild card spot. And if you've been watching these games to start the season, I don't think that is an uh, like something that's totally crazy. This team is playing ball the right way. It's not going to be last year. Brandon Dixon led this team in home runs last year with 15, and it is not going to be that. We might have somebody hit 15 home runs in 60 games with these juiced balls. Um do you think the balls are extra juiced this year? Is that it, what you're saying? Honestly, I yeah, I do. <laughs> what and, are the home run numbers so far through the season? Are they way up? It feels like they're way up from the games I've been watching. Well, I don't I don't know the numbers for the whole league, but for us they're up. We were the worst in the league last year and we lead the league in home runs this year so far. 
Uh, we have something like 17. It sounds like maybe you should expect a little regression there over the course of the season. You, So I think that that'll kind of balance out, right? A little bit of regression with the home runs, even though you do have guys who can hit home runs from the top to the bottom yeah. of this lineup. But also I think you're going to see a little bit of uptick in average. We saw Jamer Candelario go two for three today, who started the season 0 for 17. Although he was bad last year and he's probably not a very good player, he's not going to be hitting zero for the whole season. Like, so he's going to have right. an uptick. Cabrera's not going to be hitting a buck 25 for the whole season. Crone's not going to be hitting a buck 75 for the whole season. So where they will regress in some categories, you can expect an uptick in the other categories. So uh, my feeling on, on you is that you think that the Tigers are probably about a 500 team this year. Yeah, I think they'll end up maybe two, three games under 500, I, I, 25 to 27 wins. When I started the season, I think I had them at 22 wins, right? Which I felt like a little weird about because last year they went, they won 49 games in a 162 game season. Uh, but after just watching this team play, the free agent signings are are working. Chrome, scope, they're good signings. And us Tiger fans don't give easy credit to Alavila whatsoever. I mean, we've seen his signings over his tenure so far as the general manager of this team, and they have not been good. Jordan Zimmerman, Mike Fears, I mean, those guys just, it hasn't worked. And so far this year, he's got the right guys. They went and signed actual major league players who were probably a little undervalued, especially Crone, undervalued, guys who can hit 30 home runs in a full season. And they got them here, and they're making a difference in the offense. Yeah. Um, the thing I might be the most worried about is Miguel Cabrera, and not because how he's hitting the ball, because he's he's still hitting it hard. I mean, I've, he's got three home runs. He laced a single over this weird shift today, but that shift is the reason I'm concerned. As of right now, they're playing everybody in the outfield. Uh, like the entire infield is in the outfield except for the first baseman. So ev anything he hits on the ground is an automatic out. Uh, so he really has to either find a gap, hit a home run, or just lace one into shallow right or left field. Um, and that's not an those aren't those are like the hardest things to do in hitting is those three things. Uh, so the shift might be the ultimate Miguel Cabrera killer. Um, but with a hitter who knows how to hit the way he does, and no, he's not a triple crown contender or an MVP contender anymore. But he's a guy who he's a guy who knows how to hit better than almost anybody ever. He can place the ball, especially in his prime. He could literally decide if he wanted to go right center, left center, right center, whatever. Um, but I think he'll figure it out somewhat. I do think it's gonna probably drop his average 20, 30 points total on the season, maybe make him hit around 260, 270. Um, but if he can show some power like he's done so far this year, that's fine. 260, 270 is fine if he's hitting for power. Um, so it's – I'm just excited, man. I, I, I haven't enjoyed watching Tigers baseball like this in years. And baseball is my first love. I think basketball is probably the sport we talk the most about on the show, and probably. it might be my current – favorite sport but baseball is like my life's first love i have loved baseball since i was five years old and i got lucky right the first year i was like a diehard tigers fan it was 2006 i was i was nine and 
I got to see one of the most magical teams in the history of sports, a team that went from 43 and 119 three years previous, 71 and 91 the year before. Nobody expected them to do anything, and all of a sudden they make a World Series in 06. And then following that, I got to watch an entire decade of near dominance. Obviously, they didn't get their championship, which would make it dominance, but it was it was a decade of competitive baseball where every single year you thought that team had a chance to win the World Series. I got to see the best hitter of this generation and the best pitcher of this generation on the same team for almost a decade. And it was amazing. So to go into this last few years where it's just been this barren wasteland with no talent, nothing to look forward to except for maybe getting the number one pick and getting a guy like Casey Mize or getting a guy like Spencer Torkelson. To all of a sudden, even though we're not great and the roster is still pretty bad, it's probably bottom five in the league as far as talent goes. But they're playing right. They're playing hard. And that goes undervalued a lot in baseball is playing hard and playing the game the right way, especially. Good defense, good base running, high IQ, the six inches in between your ears. I talk about it on the show all the time. It's the most important thing in baseball. And this team seems to have that figured out. It almost looks a little bit like the old Ron Gardenhire Twins teams, which had more talent than this team, but they were not the most talented teams in the world, and they were winning 90, 95 games a season and making the playoffs. Um, so what we're finally at is that first step. We're at that first stepping stone towards building a contending team where you can actually see the horizon. You can, you can see the future instead of just hoping that these prospects work out. We now see that this team can be built in a way where we take out guys like who we have now, Christian Stewart, you replace him with maybe a veteran. Jamer Candelario, you replace him with maybe Isaac Paredes. You call up Casey Mize. You call up Matt Manning and Tarek Skubal next year. And all of a sudden, this roster is a legit MLB roster with a very, very bright future. Um, so I know I've said this three times already, but Tigers fans, be excited. Stop trying to be pessimistic because it's the easy thing to do. There is no need to do that right now. When they fall five games below 500, then you can be pessimistic and you can say, ha-ha, I got you, I was right. But just, like, try to enjoy this while it's lasting. We're almost ten, we'll are almost we be 10 games into the season in a couple hours here. By the time this airs on Tuesday at 8 o'clock, we'll be 12 games into the season. And we'll be at least a 500 baseball team. Uh, so get just be be ready for a fun season with y young talent. Maybe not the best young talent outside of when Casey Mize gets called up, but young talent that you can root for, that you want to root for, and that plays the game the right way. Uh, I've given you 13, 14 minutes here of baseball pessimism or op baseball optimism. Uh, so now I would like to make a hard left turn and ask you, how many more games does baseball play this year before they play? <sighs> yeah, so here's how – Here can I tell you my worst fear, and then I'll tell you my my prediction? Yes. So my worst fear is over. they play 10 more games, right? The Tigers go 7-3 and three over the next 10 games. They are <laughs> – they're 12-7, and seven, right? 12-7, and seven, you're like almost a lock to make the playoffs at that point. You have to yeah. go 16 and – like 24 for the rest of the season. Um, and then the season just gets canceled. They're like, sorry, everybody has COVID. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say if they don't get it under control, which it seems like it's getting worse literally by the hour, uh, there is another week, week and a half of baseball left. 
after it seems like uh, Jonas Cespedes packed up his toys and went home. So I, I feel like that's probably not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, not good for baseball that he did that. Well, like when the story first came out this morning, it was really strange uh, because it was just they can't find the guy. Nobody knows where he's at. This and, is not the first time that like somebody's agent has leaked that story out to the press. I feel like it happens once or twice a year. I mean, it happened to Rodman most notably a few times. Yeah, I don't. I think the Mets leaked this. Okay. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I mean, they were the ones that. Yeah, they were. Which, which is a very. That's something a bad organization does, right? There was no reason to leak that in the morning. And sure, they can have the excuse where we were looking for some information. Maybe somebody had some information. But regardless of what's going on, I don't think the organization should be leaking anything like that until they know what the final answer of it is, which we found out now that according to, uh, I believe, Ken Rosenthal, he packed up his bags, he left, he left the team, and he opted out of the season. Um, it feels like there's a little bit more to it than that that I think we'll find out over the next couple of days. Um, but I just think that's just a bad, shady move by the Mets organization to do that. I don't think they should have put anything out there. It almost felt like it was a shame tactic, right? He's not picking up the phone, so we're going to put this out there, let everybody know, and then he's going to have to get in contact with us. It just it just felt a little shady to me. I, I, think, I think the second part more than the first part I agree with from you, for me. Um, it definitely definitely feels like they were like, okay, well, if you're going to do this, then we're going to do this. And then now here comes your mom, three aunts, and all your friends calling you, trying to figure out where you are. So, Because Schefter retweets it, and then boom, that's a national news story. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think that you combine that with the wave of NFL players that we've seen opt out of the season so far this week. Uh, and I, I, it seems like a pattern to me. I, I give baseball, I give baseball two, three more weeks. I think they're going to try to milk it for all that it's worth, uh, and try to capture as many new cycles as they can before they shut it down. Uh, well, so can, a little more for me. Can Rob Manfred make up his mind about anything? Uh, before they agreed on when they were going to get the season, we got within the matter of three days. He was like a hundred percent sure we play this season. Three days later, I'm pretty confident we're not playing this season. Three days later, they agree on a season, and they're playing the season. Now, three days ago, Rob Manfred says, if they don't fix this, we're shutting it down, period. Yeah. And then the next day, he comes out, and he says, we're not shutting it down. I'm no quitter. Like, what is this guy doing, man? What is Rob Manfred even doing? Prisoner of the moment. I mean, it's almost – it's funny. He, I almost prefer the Goodell strategy of saying practically nothing the whole time and waiting to see what happens. It definitely feels definitely like he probably doesn't need to talk so much right now. Especially right. because everything he's saying is, I don't know, but we're going to find out. Right. I mean, we have four games postponed today. The Marlins, Nationals, Cardinals, Brewers, Phillies, Blue Jays. and Oh, well, three, and one of them is a doubleheader. Cardinals, Brewers, both of them. Uh, the Cardinals were – we were supposed to be going to St. Louis tomorrow for a three-game series. As of right now, the plan is, since there were sick people in those locker rooms, the Cardinals will be coming to Detroit. Uh, but they have more tests that are coming back today. And the, uh, the update I received said they're expecting more positive tests. So we might be looking at two teams that are going to go a full week without baseball in a season where you're playing 60 games in like 64 days. And it just – eventually it becomes impossible. You're not okay. going to be able to play a doubleheader every day. Well, that's true. Uh, I just don't. I just don't think that anything else could have been expected to happen. 
There's, I, I just don't see a world where they could have done anything different, honestly. You can't do an NBA bubble with every baseball team. That's too many people. It's only eight more. I mean, I mean the but, rosters have 10 more yeah. people. But, I mean, wait, wait, you, no, could have, you could have 30 more people. Including no, I mean, an NBA roster has 15. An uh, MLB roster, oh, right now they have 29. So it's double. But I still think yeah. that they could figure it out. This is a $15 billion company. I'm pretty sure they could. I mean, they, they wanted a bubble in Arizona. The Players Association just wouldn't agree to it. Um, but even if you're not going to do the bubble, can't you do some sort of your parents tell you you're grounded, you're going to school, you're coming home and you're going to your room. Like, I feel like you could have pulled that off if you wanted to complete a season. If you can pull off a bubble, which is the same thing, by the way, except you're in a hotel instead of your own bedroom. Why can't you pull that off? I just think it's, I just think it's different. I think that those are two different concepts. The idea of a bubble where everybody's on the same page is different than like, uh, trying to ground players, you know. I wanted. I went to Wendy's at two thirty in the morning, and now I'm suspended for a week. I, I, I think I just think it's different when you're out in the real world versus where they are in Orlando. I yeah. think it's the only sport that really, and we, I guess the NWSL has done a really good job with this, but uh, basketball is the only sport I think that could have just because of the number of players involved. Basketball is in uh, a really interesting position. Hockey too, I guess. But how many times – yeah, hockey had zero, zero positive tests the other day. But how many times are we going to have to say basketball is the only sport that got this right? Because it feels like every time anything ever happens, we're just like, oh, Adam Silver's a genius. Everybody else sucks. Uh, I would say that there's a pretty good chance that hockey is going to get this right. Have you watched any hockey since the restart? Yeah, I, I was forced at work to watch about 20 minutes of hockey yesterday. And uh, it was the Blackhawks-Edmonton game, which was actually pretty fun. It was like There was like 10 goals scored. Uh, I think the Blackhawks started the game five goals to one and it ended up being six to four. So it was a pretty fun game. But, it is a weird uh, game. Yeah, uh, you know, rusty. The rustiness was obvious for the defenses. Yes, uh, I watched. I've watched a couple of hockey games uh, just because it's fun. I actually really like hockey right now. The game is so is naturally so fast that you really, I really don't feel very different uh, watching hockey compared to watching, especially baseball, where it feels different to me. It feels cavernous. Uh, the shot is so tight on hockey rinks, and they're so fast up and down, and the cameras never stops moving. I never really notice it, uh, but I, I, even me as a guy who watches 15 hockey games a year could tell that that was not the world's best hockey that I was watching. Yeah. Well, switching sports here, but it looks like COVID yeah. is finally catching up to the Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford, we're not sure he has it. We don't want to speculate, yeah. but he is on the COVID list, which yeah. could just mean he was, It's it could be as simple as he was around somebody who has COVID. Yeah. Um, John Atkins, the defensive tackle, opted out. And today, Geronimo Allison, the new signing, he opted out. But here's why I'm not concerned. Because pretty soon, the whole damn league is going to opt out because there's yeah. no way in hell football is happening. There's I also would say that those are two, relative to what other teams have missed so far, not two super hugely important pieces. Yeah, yeah uh, if, if the season happens, I'm not too worried about Geronimo Allison. And I'm definitely yeah. not worried about John Atkins. I'm more worried about the Jaron Kearse suspension, but by the time we would need him in the case of an injury, I suspect he'll be pretty much back. So, uh, 
I don't know. I mean, we've been saying this and I've been saying this to my friends and feeling like a bad person. Like there's football, the amount of like all-star level players that have opted out of the season already on, or it's astounding. And I'm like the Patriots too, like the Patriots and the Jets have all had all their best. Patriots have, I think eight guys opted out. Yeah. That's just, it's, that's weird to me. I, I wouldn't I, want to work for placement player football, would you? Kind of. <laughs> kind of would. You know, Only because I'm a Lions fan. Lions. Only because yeah. I'm a Lions fan. So, uh, it just – I mean, if you had to put a number on it, what's your percentage that the NFL season happens? Because I'd say 3%. Define happens, like that they play – More than six game. games. Uh, so, okay. So, the implication would be that they basically play week one. Uh, and I will say that there is a 20% chance that they play week one. That's yeah. how I feel right now. And th- I mean, after – because before baseball started, I thought there was a chance. And now watching how much this is spreading in baseball locker rooms, I don't even yeah. want to know what damage it could do in football locker rooms. It's just not safe. It's just not safe for these guys. That's why you're seeing so many people opt out is because no matter what the NFL does, unless they throw them in a bubble, which is definitely impossible in football. That would, yeah, that would be a, that would be a town. You have to reserve a city. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like rent LA. (laughs) You have to do like Stephen King's dome and like put a dome over the top of Portland and be like, this is where we all are now. Yeah. Uh, It's just, it's, if I'm a player, if I played baseball, I wouldn't have opted out. If I played basketball, I wouldn't have opted out. I understand why guys did, and that is their decision to make. I don't judge them for it, but I wouldn't have. Football, my ass would not be playing. Zero percent chance I'd be playing, man, because you're going to get it. You're going to get it in football. It's just going to be – I mean, you're, literally your job is to not social distance ever. Yeah, right. Like, like that is your job. So Baseball, like the most socially distant – friendly sport too which i think is important that if baseball had come back it would have been a nice if then statement where it would baseball is level one if you can play baseball we can take a look at other sports but if we can't even play baseball where nobody really has to touch each other outside of like a gloved hand uh that's you know yeah that's kind of the ball game to use a bad sports pun right and i mean they're like i mean you touch the ball but that's it and it's not supposed to be super transmittable on surfaces. It is, but not super. And if I mean, if it's it must be the locker rooms. That's kind of my takeaway from this: is the locker rooms are just a breeding ground. Yeah, it's just you're just too close and too sweaty and dirty. And I mean, even on the field, especially in football, man, you you we've all ran to the point where we thought we were going to die at some point in our life. Sure. I haven't done it in a while, but we've all ran and you just like, without even knowing you're when every time you breathe, you're spitting, you're spitting <laughs> like, and that's going to be an entire football game with 50 people per team doing exactly that. 20 coaches doing it. Well, the tr- coaches won't be breathing like that, but they'll be there to walk into the air particles in the air. And some unless you're going to wear, like that unless you're gonna wear like the dopest full mask ever which is impossible that covers your eyes your nose and your mouth which would probably kill you uh there's no way there's no way you can make it so uh i'm saying less than a five percent chance we get four games of football i'm moving the post to four no way we get four games of football yeah so no way you can't beat coronavirus with grit 
Uh, no. No matter how hard you try. How many football coaches do you think think that you can beat coronavirus with grit? Uh, Most of them? I would say a dozen. I would yeah. say a dozen. Uh, I definitely think that, like, John Gruden for sure, for sure. Uh, is that doesn't give a shit about coronavirus. Uh, I'm trying to think of, all, like, what other coaches I'm pretty sure don't care. Belichick probably doesn't care. Uh, I'm just he, So the difference between Gruden and Belichick. Gruden – is just like it's not real. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Belichick is like it's real, but I don't care. <laughs> uh, Gruden is like on the message boards posting about <laughs> Bill Gates. Uh, yeah. Hashtag PizzaGate. Hashtag PizzaGate. It's going to be impossible for a professional team based out of Las Vegas to stay inside. I feel like that doesn't get brought up enough. Yeah, I'm. I'm honestly just a little off sports here. I'm so shocked it's not worse in Vegas right now. Well, I'm, do you know that? Yeah, I just. It's not Florida. <laughs> like I would expect it to be like Florida, yeah. uh, because I mean, literally, all you do in Vegas is go touch things that other people have already touched that day. <laughs> like thirty people too. I would. All add. yeah, that's all you do in Vegas. Grinding people. Do you want to talk about uh, soccer at all? I well, one thing I for sure want to talk about. Do we know what's up with Christian Pulisic? Uh, it was, I think he. I it, it's not bad. Christian Pulisic is going to be okay. Uh, it's I think he just tore a hamstring, but it didn't seem that bad. Or he tore it. or pulled it because if he pulled he it, just, we're cool. I think he just pulled it. It didn't that seem bad. Most- uh, there have been a bunch of like Twitter doctors, actual doctors on Twitter, I should say, who are, who are like, "Well, if this is what it is, this is what it means." But uh, it's kind of in that it's kind of in that weird androgynous hamstring zone that soccer players get injured, where it could be two weeks, it could be two months. It, we're really not going to know until probably the beginning of the season. You know, if anything, he finished the season on like the highest note possible. He was the best player on the field until he could not play soccer anymore. And then he almost he scored almost a goal scored. on a pulled hamstring. Like that's yeah. or a torn hamstring. That, that's wild. Can you yeah. imagine if he would have scored that goal? We would have to play the Christian Pulisic drop we have in the system here a thousand times. It would be the whole show. We would do an episode dedicated to Christian Pulisic standing by a bald eagle with a screech behind it for an hour and a half. We'd do it over and over again for an hour and a half, and it would be well-deserved. The Instagram post from Pulisic after the game was, gave it everything we had, wasn't our day. Thank you guys for your report. I'll be back in no time. So uh, now Christian Pulisic does have like a very very high let's fucking go guy energy. He is uh, becoming an elite let's fucking go guy. So it would make sense. It would be on brand for let's fucking go guy to just be like, no big deal. I'll be back. And then be like, oh, but it's a six month injury. Six yeah. months. Well, it wasn't fine. bad. I just don't want anything to be torn. That's all I'm worried about. And then as long as nothing's torn, we're cool. Even if it's four months, like just don't have anything torn. That's going to be permanent. Stay inside for a few months, Christian. Just yeah. stay inside. Yes, please. Do you, I'm trying to. I try to. I think a lot about who. Who would I more? I only had enough bubble wrap to wrap one person in bubble wrap. Would I wrap Ruth Bader Ginsburg or Christian Pulisic in bubble wrap first? <laughs> it's. I mean, it's Pulisic, man. It's, <laughs> it's close. It's really close in my mind. Uh, very, very close. 
Uh, what else? Any, is anything else going on in soccer? That was the FA Cup final, right? Did Arsenal yes. win? Did Chelsea uh, win? Champions League, EuroLeague are coming back uh, because Europe is in like such a different place than we are. They're able to do that. Uh, it should start. I think it starts in two, three weeks. So that's going to be a lot of fun. You get to see all the elite teams back again. Barcelona's a mess, so we'll have to see. Champions League is wide open right now. I mean, anybody could win that. You could tell me Liverpool, Man City, uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona pulled their shit together. You could tell me anybody could win, and I'd believe you. Uh, the only other soccer thing is that the MLS's back tournament is up to the semifinals. LAFC got eliminated by Orlando, which was awesome in penalties, but Orlando looks good. Uh, it's So it's uh, Orlando, uh, Philadelphia Union, with uh, potential tournament MVP Brendan Aronson. Uh, well, probably not. It's probably Nani from Orlando City, but uh, Brendan Aronson's been awesome. Minnesota United, who just looked like super, super, super well-coached, well-oiled machine, and then a fourth team that I can't remember. So we're just going to blaze right through that one. Uh, MLS's pack tournament's a lot of fun, man. It's just like, it's it's choppy, but it's uh, there's goal- goals are being scored, and... Uh, the field's wide open, lots of individual plays being made. It's just fun. It's just fun, you know. Is it on ESPN Plus? Is that where you're watching it? Uh, I don't know if it's on ESPN Plus. Oh, I would not like it? to comment further on how it is that I am watching the MLS. <laughs> uh, it, some of it is on ESPN Plus actually. Now that I think about it, is Portland? Uh, Portland Timbers might be left. That might be the fourth team. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, but uh, in general, if people want to ask me how I watch the sports I watch, I do not have an answer for them. I will never have an answer for them, at least not one that I will admit to live on the air. Yes, yes, of course, because you don't know the difference between watch ESPN and ESPN Plus after two years of using them both. <laughs> I, I feel like that's kind of on ESPN. Like their web stuff is a mess. It's yeah. always it's always been they're the worldwide leader in sports they should have better websites i don't like online presence operates like one of those like like candy crush basically where they're like we're gonna give you the cheap shitty free version and then eventually you'll have to microtransaction your way into the full version and why does espn operate like that that i don't get that because espn's dying and they're trying to steal your money that's that's the simple answer if ESPN went under, what would happen with sports broadcasting? I don't think ESPN is going to go under. They're owned by Disney. But if they did, who would fill that void? Would I think there, I think there'd be a weird five years where it's kind of everywhere. You'd see a lot of teams make their own networks, or a lot of cities like Detroit would probably have their own network for their four teams. Obviously, like New York does for a lot of their stuff. Um, and then eventually, I think like Fox or CBS or TNT would just kind of take over. Um, I think Fox that, would probably be the one. Fox Fox would have the head start because they have Fox Sports, so they would definitely have the head start. Um, but yeah, I think it would just kind of take a couple years. It'd be a little wavy, and then water would find its level, and it'd go to Fox probably. Do you do you think that any of the internet companies would would come in and, and do that? Do you think Bleacher Report or SB Nation or The Ringer or Barstool would be able to do more? I mean, Bleacher Report. I don't does think they have enough money. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, like the NBA playoffs this year costs like almost a billion dollars. Bleacher Report doesn't have almost a billion dollars to give you for a year of playoffs. Um, 
especially because there'd be like that transitional period where the ratings would go down, I think. Uh, just because a lot of people, especially if it was some like Bleacher Report, where it'd probably be almost all online, all streaming. People wouldn't know how to find it, especially the older generation wouldn't know how to find it. Um, so I just think those those entities would probably have a more difficult time just because of money. Um, but for Fox, they can just swoop in, keep doing exactly what they're doing right now, but add a higher profile level of games to their to their schedule every week. I'm sure NBC is desperate for live content at this point. Yeah, they're getting sick of hockey, that's for sure. They've got hockey, and they kind of have some soccer. They yeah. kind of have the Premier League, and they kind of occasionally have Champions League. They have the two most American niche sports there are. So, Yeah. Like, I feel like soccer is, is still continuing to make forward strides. In oh, for sure. For sure. It's surpassing hockey and baseball, but it's still, like, I would consider it in America a niche sport. Uh, big hot, big hot transfer rumor that I like, and that's why I'm bringing it up, is Weston McKenney to Southampton. Love it. Uh, yeah, elite coaching uh, fits the system. They're selling. I think they're. It's either about to be announced or maybe has been announced that they're going to sell uh, their current starting center midfielder to Tottenham, and that he would come in potentially and be a replacement. Uh, yes, please. Well, and if Southampton follows what they've done for the last decade, the second he gets too good for Southampton, he gets to go to a club yeah, that he belongs he gets at. To go to Liverpool. Yeah, he just gets Liverpool. sold instantly. So I love that. That's perfect to me. It feels like AAA almost to like the big, big time. A couple of things to watch if you're going to watch the MLS's back tournament. You want to watch the Philadelphia Union, and you want to watch Mark McKenzie, who is their left center back, I believe. And uh, Brendan Aronson, who's like their attacking midfielder, their creative, the creative fulcrum of the midfield. Uh, both players very heavily scouted by European teams. Mark McKenzie by uh, Celtic, Celtic, and uh, Brendan Aronson by Borussia Mönchengladbach, which is where uh, Fabian Johnson played for some time. Uh, a couple of other Americans too. They've had a few. So uh, some good, uh, some good young MLS players have really seized the carpeted that diem. Uh, Ooh. Sell some transfer moves. Yeah. yeah, it's Latin. I'm speaking Latin. Boom! Dead language, Parker. Watch out. Is that Latin or Pig Latin that's the dead language, or is it both? Well, I guess <laughs> I would say both, probably, but Latin is, is the original dead language. Okay. Unless you're like a character in an Aaron Sorkin story, and then you, you randomly speak Latin. Yes, yes. All right. I think that's a good time well, to wrap it. I yeah, think that's you a good time. think that was good. <laughs> uh, well, what what I got to do this week that we don't normally do is I do – I'm going to end the show on a little bit of a sad note. Uh, I had something that touched me a little bit more than I thought something like this would um, in Detroit sports media. Um, one, because of some personal stuff I have going on with me and my family. Uh, and two, because of the people I've been listening to do what we do, we're doing right now for so long. Uh, especially at 97 won the ticket. And that is, I just want to say rest in peace to Jamie Samuelson, somebody I've been listening to since I was a small child, somebody who has played a big part in kind of somebody I listened to to try to learn from and get better at doing this. Uh, and somebody who has driven that desire to do something like this. Um, but he passed away from colon cancer after 18 months of fighting. Um, just an amazing person to listen to on the radio. He had to deal with Wojo and Stoney 
for the last decade, which are two huge personalities. And he always just came across as the guy who was witty and smart and just the most low key funny that you can get. And he never felt like I saw somebody say today, he never had to be the star. And I think that's what made his show so great. He was working with these big personalities and he fit into his role and he was as much a star as those guys, but he never acted like he had to be as much of a star as those guys. Um, he had three kids under 18. So my thoughts are with them and his wife, um, but rest in peace to him. And just thank you for years and years worth of listening. Cause him and all those guys at 97.1 have really been a big part in my life. You feel like you get to know people after 10 plus years of listening to them every day on the radio. Um, so my thoughts are with his family. I just didn't want this show to end without at least saying something about it. Uh, but rest in peace to him. And again, thank you for all the memories I have of listening to you because there is a lot. We uh, we like to kind of poke fun, I think, at 97 on the ticket uh, sometimes, but it would be hard to deny that they aren't probably the single the single largest influence on the show or maybe the second uh, behind a, maybe another show or two. So uh, big love to all of them. Uh, it really sucks to lose a member of a team like that, especially out of nowhere. I mean, they those guys have been together for years and years. So yeah, yes. uh, just wanted to say that I agree with you. I'm a transplant, but I mean, I still was a fan. Not not the same way, but fans right. are fans. Right. Well, that that's the that's as as sad and and emotional as you'll see us get. But that's going to end our show this week. Thank you all so much for listening. For Double P producer Parker and myself, your host Andrew Norris. We're going to leave you with the awesome sports clip of the week. Tyler Alexander, nine straight strikeouts. Yeah. Production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.